You know, in my beloved home state of Kentucky, a tourist attraction exists called the Creation Museum. Established by a group called the Young Earth Creationists, these folks believe that the Earth was formed 6,000 years ago and that dinosaurs and humans coexisted. And that dinosaurs were wiped out, washed away during the great flood of Noah's Ark fame. And this museum promotes alternate science to fit with the stories of the Bible. And to me, this is baffling. Why try to synchronize science and faith when they represent entirely different approaches to understanding our world? Science, a systematic way of studying everything around us through observation, experimentation, and then using evidence to test theories. Our faith history, something else entirely, telling us instead the core stories of our lives that help us understand who we are, why we're here, and how we can live in relationship with God. Back to the Creation Museum, they also have a lifelike, life-size diorama of the Garden of Eden with mannequins of Adam and Eve. As if the Bible story of Adam and Eve's experience is somehow hard to understand and that we need these, these uh, life-size figures to somehow bring to life the meaning of it all, I don't think we need any help at all understanding what it is to be tempted. This is something every one of us experiences. Yes, we know the right thing to do, but often we stumble. We may manage to avoid the really big mistakes, but we make choices day in and day out that veer from God's way. And the Adam and Eve story perfectly captures how we humans turn away from God. God has warned Adam and Eve that if they eat the fruit of the tree in the middle of the Garden of Eden, they will die. Yet the serpent tempts them with these wily words, you will not die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. In this key moment in our faith history, Adam and Eve make a fatal mistake. They eat from the forbidden tree and it isn't that the tree is bad, just that God has said no. Not content to be the children of God, Adam and Eve want to be like God. All-knowing, all-powerful, knowing good and evil. And this desire to be in charge is very much alive and with us today. Perhaps more than ever, we are tempted to believe that we belong to ourselves alone instead of to God. So how are we tempted to believe that we belong to ourselves alone and 
not to God by making decisions as we do, without turning to God for help by caring too much about our work or our friends or our food or our possessions or social media or whatever, and letting those voices pull us away from God. Now, you know, not one of those influences is a bad thing in and of itself. Work is necessary and important. Friends and family are essential. And we even need our devices. <laughs> it's all part of life. But when any one of these influences gains too much importance, it can feed in us a sense that it, this influence, makes us who we are. Like work, if we identify too closely with the work that we do, if our work is everything, then we lose a piece of our humanity. And maybe you struggle with this, or maybe someone you love struggles with this. Time spent in front of screens becomes a temptation, a bottomless pit of empty, entertainment sometimes, when the life on the screen starts to take on more meaning than the other life that you're leading, it's a sign that the screens have moved to become a temptation, even an addiction. It's powerful that Jesus himself could be tempted. I'm glad to know that he shares this with us. And in the passage from Matthew today, the Spirit has led Jesus into the wilderness where he's fasted for 40 days and 40 nights and is famished, starving, because he's human just as we are. And so often the reason that we feel tempted is because our defenses are down in some way, tired, lonely, discouraged, the temptation is too much to resist. And this is when the devil visits Jesus with three tempting challenges. Essentially, the devil says, if you are truly the son of God, prove it by passing my three tests. The tests themselves cleverly chosen. The devil knows that these will be temptations for Jesus. First, he says, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. In other words, if you're God, feed yourself and feed everyone else too. End hunger this very minute. For the second test, the devil takes Jesus to a, the very top of the temple in Jerusalem and says, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. That's a challenge. What the devil is saying is if you're God, prove it with a dazzling stunt, a miraculous display. Show the world right now you're invincible. And then for the third test, the devil takes Jesus to the, a very high mountaintop and shows him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor and says to him, all these will I give you if you fall down and worship me. And here, 
is where the devil tips his hand. In the first two tests, he acts innocently as though he just wants Jesus to prove to everyone that he is the dazzling savior that they've been hoping for. But in this third test, the devil clearly wants power. He wants Jesus to work for him. And with each test, Jesus resists the temptation. Each time he reminds the devil that God is in charge, explaining that he is ruled not by his own wishes or desires, but by the word of God. And our answer in the face of temptation can be the same. When our job is threatening to swallow up our life, we can remind ourselves to worship the Lord our God and only Him and to serve Him with absolute single-heartedness. And the same goes for the people that we love because we know, don't we, that, that love can tip in the direction of, of obsession and sometimes we can become obsessive in our love for our partners and our family members, forgetting that all love begins with God and flows from God. Jobs and loved ones are good things. That's how the devil tricks us a lot of the time, by luring us to want too much of a good thing. And in that way, luring us away from God. The devil tempts Jesus with mostly good things, not worshiping the devil, not that one obviously, but feeding those in need, showing the world his power. In this world, so much suffering exists. Personal suffering when we lose loved ones. Economic suffering when it's hard for whole communities to make ends meet and large-scale suffering as with shootings and earthquakes and wars. And sometimes suffering can test our trust in God. When we lose a loved one, for example, it's tempting to blame God. When a natural disaster occurs, it's tempting to ask, how could God let this happen? And at times like these, the temptation is to give up on God. And in today's passage from Matthew, we see Jesus suffering from hunger, alone in the wilderness, facing profound temptations. And he answers these temptations by reminding the devil that he loves God. This is our model. This is what we are made for, to love God. Grounding in God, obedient to God's will, gives us peace and power and purpose. And we have help. Remember what happens in that beautiful passage from Matthew today. When Jesus is in the wilderness and he says, away with you, Satan, suddenly angels come and wait on him. Trusting God, we are given the strength we need. And in those beautiful words of our faith, angels rush in. 
And that's the feeling we have when we know when we are in the wilderness, we are far from alone. Amen.